This is The Wealth Standard Radio, your gold standard in everything financial. Hello, everyone. This is Patrick Donahoe, and you are listening to episode 219 of The Wealth Standard Podcast, and I am flying solo today, so it may be somewhat short uh, because I love talking to two people, not talking uh, to myself. Uh, and I know that you're on the other end, but at the same time, that you know the dynamic is uh, is what it is. So I will uh, be discussing a few things relating to uh, the book that I have coming out in the next uh, uh, next few months in February uh, slash March. Uh, and so, uh, so we'll get to that in just a moment. But I wanted to give you kind of a preview of the next uh, next couple of weeks and some of the amazing guests that I have coming on. Uh, first is no stranger to the Wealth Standard podcast. It's Connor Boyack. Connor is the president of Libertas, and he has a new book, actually a couple new books that he has released, one of which is called Atlas. And this is a book that uh, is a children's version of that uh, objectivist treatise or uh, objectivism treatise uh, Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand, and uh, and you know it, it also I guess you could say is uh, is a volume of work that it has inspired millions and millions of people. But Connor broke it down into a format that can be uh, you know essentially read by a child, and so I, I can't wait to have a conversation with him. He always uh, he is a, a brain like no other, and I. I yeah, and this is what those these conversations are the reason why I do this podcast because you know I, I can't wait for it. Like it's like it, you know it's gonna you know be in just a couple of days and yeah it's uh, it's gonna be awesome. So next episode, make sure you tune in, uh, tune in, uh, Connor Boyack. We are going to be discussing Atlas Shrugged, most likely the philosophy of Ayn Rand, and, which is objectivism. All right, and then the week after that, we are going to have uh, an individual who um, I uh, really I, I, I really do admire and respect. Uh, and I've known him for a number of years. He actually just lives a few blocks from me and his office is just a few blocks down the road from mine. Uh, his name is Garrett Gunderson. He is the, uh, I believe, the CEO of uh, Wealth Factory. And uh, so him and I are going to shoot the breeze, tell some stories, and uh, who knows what will come from that one. But Garrett uh, uh, recently, um, he started into uh, some... Um, some comedy. And so maybe he'll have a comedy routine for us. So we'll see. But anyway, he'll be uh, the week after. And then David Stockman will be the week after that. Uh, and for those of you who don't know David Stockman, that is definitely an, ep- an episode uh, that's going to be at the end of the year strategically after all of the, um, you know, the tax laws in place and the new you know, tax reform or whatever we're going to call it is uh, is in place, and then also his uh, preview for 2018. And I'm sure we will be talking about all sorts of different issues, whether it's uh, the deficit or whether it's uh, you know some of the the social things that have happened this year, and maybe even some cryptocurrency, blockchain, and Bitcoin. Uh, we'll see. Okay, so that's uh, those are the, the guests in the next uh, few weeks leading up to the end of the year, uh, and then we have the Meet the Masters event where there are still a few tickets left. So Meet the Masters is uh, put on by uh, Jason Hartman. Uh, We are uh, one of the sponsors this year, so I will be speaking. But the headliner is none other than Ron Paul, who is the former Texas congressman. And I can't wait to hear from him. I've heard him before live a few times. um, And I can't wait to see uh, see him again and hear uh, uh, what his message is. So you don't want to miss it either. So if you guys want to register, uh, use the link that is the, uh, it's, a, it's a link inside of our show notes. It'll give you a discount on the event. It's January 12th through 14th in La Jolla, California. Uh, you also have speakers. Ken McElroy will be speaking, Tom Wheelwright, Garrett Sutton. Um, 
and uh, John Burns, Danielle DiMartino Booth, who is former advisor to the Federal Reserve. Anyway, it's going to be awesome. Amazing lineup. It's going to be an event packed full of uh, education as well as investment opportunities. Okay, so this is uh, what I'm going to talk about today. This is going to help me, you know, this podcast is going to help me kind of flesh out uh, some of the, the, the things that I've been working on uh, relating to the book that I have coming out. Now, most of you know who have been listening a while that I had a book that I had prepared to uh, release a few years ago. It was back, I believe, in 2015, and I didn't go through with it. I didn't feel like it was the... Uh, the message wasn't right. The stories weren't right. Uh, I just didn't feel like it was the right time to uh, to release it. So we took some of that material, um, and then I worked with uh, Tucker Max and his company, Book in a Box, uh, this entire year. And uh, what we have is actually really, really awesome. Uh, but I have been working on the introduction and finalizing that, which is really kind of giving context to uh, what the overall message is for for the book and what the value proposition is. That's what I want to talk to you guys about uh, about today. Day. And I'd uh, love to hear your feedback. If you guys want to uh, email us some feedback regarding the show, just email podcast at paradigmlife.net. And uh, if you want, you know, follow me on uh, social media. I'm on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, I'm trying to be better at posting things. I just have so many things going on. It's kind of hard to remember to, to document it all. My wife is much better at that. Uh, but if you want to follow me there, also on LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, if you are not on our mailing list, you can just go to uh, thewellstandard.com. And we have a new website that's coming out soon. So, uh, But you can still register on there and get notifications about the show as well as other uh, events and so forth. Okay, so this is, um, this is what I want to talk about today. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of more address you as if you were just an individual uh, right right in front of me. But I want to kind of talk through uh, how I came to this, you know, overarching narrative uh, regarding uh, regarding the book. I, I would say if you if you rewind, you know, my my upbringing, um, I, I never liked school. Um, I, I look back on teachers that I had and and I was in the public school system. My parents were both public school teachers. And I never I never had anyone, an adult who inspired me. Um, and I, I, I was hoping some of the adults, I'm not going to you know, get into details, but some of the adults around me would have been a better inspiration uh, for me or mentor, mentor to me. But in a sense, I realized that, you know, those events uh, shaped who I am. And so, you know, by no means, you know, am I, you know, throwing, you know, throwing garbage on them. Like I, I, I loved, I, I love, you know, really uh, who I've become. Uh, and I've, you know, had to learn a lot of painful lessons. Uh, but I, I, you know, I realized that, you know, as I was growing up, I didn't have, I had that void of not having someone uh, that I, I aspired uh, to, uh, to, to be like, or aspired to, uh, to follow or who I listened intently because they were uh, providing me words of, you know, words of encouragement or wisdom or insight. And, uh, and so as I, you know, as I transitioned, I went, I played hockey, ice hockey for a few years in, in, uh, in college. Um, and then I did a, a two year, uh, church service. Uh, and then when I came back, uh, that is when one of my good friends, uh, actually he, he's moved to Salt Lake city. Uh, my good friends, Brandon, he, uh, he gave me two book recommendations. Uh, one was the million millionaire next door. The other was uh, rich dad, poor dad. And that book, like it has for so many others, helped me see the world differently. I saw, you know, Kiyosaki really became my first mentor and first uh, advisor. Um, and, and of course it wasn't literal at the time. Uh, it was, you know, more figurative through, through the works 
uh, both you know, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant, uh, Rich Dad's Guide to Investing. Um, but I started to be inspired. I started to look at you know really what what was I doing in school? What did I want to do? And you know it set me on the it set me on the course uh, to where I am today. Now I've made huge mistakes. Um, I've upset lots of people, most, mostly, uh, employees. Um, and you know, I haven't been the greatest leader and, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm just one of those, it's one of those things where I, I have a personality where I just do stuff. And, um, if I make mistakes, I realize that it's education and a learning, learning lesson. Uh, but I have amazing people around me and, you know, that have supported me through this entire journey of, of, uh, of paradigm life. But as I've looked back and I really see that shift within, within me based on what, what, uh, what I read in rich dad, poor dad, I, I dug even deeper into, into the idea. Uh, and that's really kind of how I'm starting, uh, starting the book. So, as I, you know, read Rich Dad Poor Dad, as I got into the industry that I'm in, which is, you know, a kind of a financial insurance-based financial advising based on, it's a principle-based strategy as opposed to a, a risk-based strategy or a speculative-based strategy. And, uh, and so I was trying to figure out, okay, how, how, what's the easiest way to frame the, the narrative of what, uh, of what I do? And that's where, you know, it occurred to me uh, to talk about uh, an iconic phrase that uh, most people really don't even know the origins to, at least I didn't, uh, which is uh, this idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of uh, what most of us know as happiness, but the original phrase was property. Um, and it really wasn't, you know, phrased in a way that aligns with the Declaration of Independence, which was, you know, uh, mostly penned by Thomas Jefferson, who used uh, this this phrase, but added happiness. And I'm not going to get into to why. It's actually a pretty fascinating story. But the original author was in the late 1600s, okay, so late 17th century, uh, and his name was John Locke. And John Locke um, was a revolutionary for, for his time. And uh, when he came out with this phrase, it was so profound, uh, but yet to us, we don't necessarily realize that significance. At least I didn't. And so what I want to do is kind of talk through those three things, like life, liberty, and property, and why those, those ideas and principles were so valuable then, and I believe are one of those catalysts to what I've been able, you know, and I've hardly accomplished anything, but what I've seen, you know, in me, but what I've also seen in so many other entrepreneurs, business owners, um, those that, you know, are really living a life that they, that they love and more on their terms uh, than a, an employer. And uh, so this was, you know, it, it became clear to me that this simple phrase has so much significance to, uh, to what we do. Okay. So here, uh, here we go. Now, looking at, I'll give you kind of some preface to to uh, the actual times. So this was, you know, during you know the the mon, uh, monarch rule in England, and uh, and so these were you know revolutionary thoughts where you know life was yours. Life is my, my life is mine. Life is yours. It's not the property of anybody else, which was not a, a widely held belief then. Uh, and then liberty, which is the the freedom to uh, act, and there's a difference between liberty and freedom. Um, and we'll get into that. But then it was also the pursuit of property uh, because property rights at that time didn't exist. Now, it wasn't talking about like, you know, just a plot of land where you can grow crops and have a cow, right? It was talking about the property that was created uh, by an individual exercising their talents, their abilities, their mind to figure out a way to take some, you know, aspect of the material universe and turn it into something that's of value to others, right? Whether, you know, there's a bajillion examples of that 
that. Um, but you know, technology is one thing, right? Technology that we experience today, right? hundred years ago didn't exist. And so it was the ability for a person to exercise their mind on the physical property of the universe and create something that's of value to others. Uh, and in turn, that property became their, you know, essentially it's their intellectual property, um, you know, essentially providing value for value in exchange, you know, money, that's the medium of exchange. So, so, and we'll get into, we'll get into the idea of property as well. So as I thought through these three, these three things, life, liberty, and, and property, it made me, it made me realize, uh, and, and I had to do some study into it, to the framework of our, our paradigm of the world um, and how we view, how we view things and, and why. Uh, and I you know, made some discoveries through some Kiyosaki books, as well as through um, other books and other, you know, obviously the resources available today uh, are, are, are quite robust. But it made me realize how, you know, the, the United States of America went from this, you know, ideological, like pursuit of happiness, pursuit of liberty uh, to what we have today, which is many people are, they seek freedom, they seek liberty, but their mindset is so ingrained in the establishment of uh, safety and security. And it goes to, you know, Benjamin Franklin quote, which is those that, um, you know, give up, uh, give up freedom or liberty for security deserve neither. Uh, and, it, and it's one of those things where I didn't, I don't under, I didn't understand the words. I didn't understand the significance. And so hopefully I can, um, you know, uh, explain it to you, articulate it to you uh, right, right now. Um, so the idea of the idea of life, so let me explain that really briefly. The idea of life is that, you know, it is, it is our property. Okay. It is, you know, of no, no one else's. And as you really read through, uh, a lot, some of Locke's work, and this was, uh, the, the second, uh, treatise on government. He actually did two of them. Uh, and you gotta remember Locke was, you know, Locke was a revolutionary, um, and he was also, you know, he, he didn't pen, he didn't write his name on any of the things that he was publishing at the time, because if they knew who he was, they'd come after him and they'd, they'd execute him. Uh, this was known as, you know, this was sedition. I mean, he, you couldn't come out and you know, state certain things like this. You can't today, obviously, but then that wasn't, that wasn't allowed. Uh, but yet he, you know, he, he had a background and was mentored by uh, an individual at the time, also a revolutionary. But if you really go back even, you know, hundreds, hundreds, thousands of years before that, you know, you had uh, Aristotle, Socrates, uh, you know, a lot of the Stoics would say very, they had very similar sayings, very similar philosophies regarding, uh, but regarding life and regarding, you know, uh, your right to it. Um, so what I derived from the, uh, you know, from this part of the phrase was that life, this whole pursuit, you know, the, the right to life is essentially saying that uh, you are uh, your most, first off, you are an asset. Uh, and then two, you're your most valuable asset. Uh, most people look at assets as something that, that resides outside of themselves. And I don't think that's the case at all. I would say you and your you know, ability to create, to produce, to be of value to somebody else, that's where the highest amount of fulfillment comes from, uh, highest amount of happiness. Okay? And typically, it's where the highest amount of money comes from. Uh, and it's amazing. Um, I was uh, thumbing through Tim Ferriss's uh, his new book uh, called The Tribe of Mentors. And in that book, one of the questions he asked, so the, the, the nature of that book is that he would send 11 questions out to all sorts of individuals. I think he accumulated almost 350. Um, and, and one of those 11 questions was, what has been your best investment? 
And every single, I actually, I'm not going to say every single one of them because I haven't gone through the entire thing, but hundreds of them, their best investment was themselves. It was either a course, it was their business, something. It was not a property. It wasn't um, something outside of them. It was something that had to do with them. Uh, and that reaffirmed a few things with this idea that, you know, what Locke was referring to was that, you know, you, your person, okay, is your, your, your number one asset. It's what you have the most uh, control of. Uh, and, and it should be, you know, you, you shouldn't have that governance unless you are, you know, in, infringing on the rights of others. So that's the first thing is this idea of, you know, life, you being your, um, your, your most valuable asset. Now that's not a, a widely held belief today. Uh, in fact, it's, a, it's not held by many at all. People look at assets as, you know, their house, their clothes, their property, um, you know, their cars, uh, a, a rental property. Those aren't, those are assets. Okay. I, I get it, but they're not, they're not the number one asset. And we'll discuss that as I kind of get into, uh, what is taught in, in the, in the book. Uh, but let's go on to it. Let's go on to Liberty. All right. So Liberty is one of those, it's one of those things where I think people confuse, um, freedom and Liberty, right? So freedom is this idea that, you know, you're free, uh, of, of something. Okay. Such as like a governing uh, power. Uh, but then the Liberty is the, you know, is, is essentially, uh, the right to, to act. Uh, and, uh, so this kind of idea of Liberty is to be able to take your person, your asset. Okay. And, and do whatever you want. Now it obviously is not doing whatever you want, doing things that don't infringe on the rights of others. And, uh, and that didn't exist at the time. You know, oftentimes people were, uh, made to serve on, uh, you know, the, the King's land. Right. And they were, it was, it was kind of an indentured servitude. So the idea of Liberty was, was so profound and right. what I believe that means for me is that I could not go back and go work for somebody else at this point. Okay. I, I, I don't think I could, uh, I, in fact, I don't even want to, and I'm never, I would never do it. I don't think, um, I'm not going to you know, make absolute statements, but the idea of, of Liberty is I've discovered that, you know, I'm, I'm in, uh, control of, of, uh, you know, my, my destiny, I'm control of how I act and what I do and what I learn and how I can be of value to, uh, to, to other people. Um, but that is not the over, that, that is not the narrative of the American pursuit. The American pursuit is safety and security, okay, where assets are held outside of you, okay, and the pursuit is retirement. And retirement, again, we'll get into this whole thing in just a second, because where when you learn where it came from, which is actually the same place that education, the U.S. education came from, which I'll talk about, uh, you'll, you'll realize that retirement is not freedom. Retirement is not liberty. Uh, in fact, it is a, uh, uh, it's a perpetuation of, of that indentured servitude. So I'll, I'll get into, I'll get into that. So the idea of liberty is really taking your person, understanding who you are, your number one asset and the value you could be to the world. Uh, and that comes to liberty where, I think most people are doing things in a professional environment because they have to support their family uh, and they may like it, but is that their true calling? Is that what they feel ultimately fulfilled by? And I think the best way to benchmark that question is to ask if you weren't paid for what you're doing, would you still do it? And I look at, you know, those, you know, lottery shows or whatever, where people win tons of money. There, there are, 
seldomly, but there are those that actually keep working in the same place they were working. They don't need to work because you know for money, but that is what they've discovered as something that does provide them that fulfillment. Now, I won't get into a lot of the details, but the idea is in our day and age, we have so much opportunity where, you know, and I, we do this a lot with clients where individuals could do it in a couple of years, one, two, three years where they could position their assets that provide um, some half, you know, more than half all of your living expense income, but the opportunities that exist to, you know, find a contract uh, type of work in something that you love to do your expertise where you govern your your profession uh, according to your terms not somebody else's and I'm not gonna actually you know what? I'll give a, I'll give an example I have a few I have some time I'm fucking myself of course I have time so uh, I was at an event um, I was at an event this past uh, this past weekend it was one that I go to every year uh, put on my by business coaches uh, Matt Smith uh, Craig Ballantyne uh, Jeff Schneider uh, so it's the early rise group and royalty exchange. And it was awesome. They have a business meeting on a Friday and then you do a kind of a toys for tots, which is sponsored by the Marines. Uh, and uh, they typically get about three groups uh, to uh, three separate Walmarts. And then you go and, you know, essentially buy toys for the, the, the area. And this you know, area happened to be Denver. And it, you know, it was, it was great. I mean, I brought, brought Cynthia, my, my wife and uh, my, I brought my, my, um, brought Megan, my middle child, uh, last year, but I brought Cynthia this year and you know, it was, it was an awesome event and I really enjoyed doing it. Cynthia enjoyed it as well. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's, it, but I would say that the camaraderie that exists there as well with those groups and all very driven entrepreneurs. Uh, I love the conversations I, I typically have there. And I had one in particular, which proves this idea of, uh, of Liberty. Um, and it, and I would say, I'd love to have people maybe have them on the podcast in the future. Who, who knows? Uh, but it was, it was actually Cynthia and I were about to leave. It was Saturday night. It was a you know Santa party and, and uh, we, you know, we're rubbing shoulders a little bit. We we're kind of tired and we had to get up the next morning and, and get a flight to, uh, to Salt Lake. And, uh, and so we were actually going to the elevators and uh, an individual um, uh, recognized me from somewhere and came up to me, shook my hand. And it was about a two and a half hour discussion. And uh, this, uh, these, these two guys, um, one of them uh, was from Mexico, uh, was a, a medical doctor from, from Mexico. And uh, so him and my wife, you know, obviously hit it off because my wife's from Mexico. And uh, it, was, it was awesome. It was, you know, it was great, great conversation. But the business opportunity is what I want to reference. The business offer, business thing that they were doing, one of them was, a, one, one of the, the partners was a marketer. Uh, and this individual uh, from Mexico was an MD. And he, he had this fascinating business, which was, you know, he figured out a way to not have to work for a hospital or have to work for a clinic or an employer. He figured out a way to, you know, essentially be able to go and negotiate his, his own independent contracts with uh, different hospital networks. Um, and there's big business here. I know there, there's lots of, uh, lots of centers that do placement of doctors, whether it's local placement uh, or whether it's placement around the world, um, whether it's for, you know, a short-term or long-term. So, so anyway, he, a few years ago, he figured out a way in which he could be as busy or not busy and dictate his terms of which he's paid uh, and also, you know, be able to set up his business or set up, you know, his practice as a business and be able to take certain tax advantage, you know, get tax advantages because of it. And uh, it was fascinating. And he basically, they're creating a course right now that's going to teach other doctors how to do the exact same thing. And again, why does that demand exist? It exists because people seek to not be 
you know, an indentured servant to do, you know, what they're told, uh, and, you know, show up to, you know, to, to an office every day and, and be treated like crap, um, and do it because they have to pay the bills for their family. Right. That is, that is, that is the, you know, the opposite. It's the, uh, you know, op- opposite side of the spectrum of, of liberty. Okay. But this is it's an idea where those opportunities, similar to this MD, they're everywhere. Uh, and they're here now, uh, now more so than ever before. And what you could take as your passion, your drive, uh, your specific talents, uh, and you may not love your specific talents, but just being able to go out and use them and provide value and have a business on your own terms, that essentially is this natural desire. Again, the reason why uh, Locke what, you know, sacrifice his life, like put his life on the line to write about um, these principles that really uh, predate him. I mean, these are principles that go back to, you know, the beginning of time in a sense, if you think about it. Uh, but they were, they were uh, um, really uh, evident during the times of, you know, Socrates and Aristotle uh, and the Stoics. I mean, there's a lot of these same very similar principles that people were pursuing and they were trying to influence government to give them. Uh, so, you know, so again, the, the idea of liberty is one of those principles where people today are not pursuing it. They know the word, they've heard the word before, but they are, they're living in a way which is, is not in line with that, with that principle, even though the opportunity exists. As, as I mentioned, it's one of those, they've, we've given up as a society, our, uh, our liberties and our freedoms for safety and security. So we'll get, we'll get into that in just a, in just a second, where I kind of give you an idea of where all this came about. All right. So the last thing is uh, the pursuit of property. So pursuit of property, you know, it's, it's this idea where we hear property. I'm like, Oh, property. Like, is that my condo? Is that my house? Is that my you know beach home or my cabin? No, it's, it's not, a, it's not necessarily a property. That's part of it. But the idea of property was essentially the, the physical universe, right? Uh, cause everything comes from material, right? Everything that is being used, uh, to, you know, for me to communicate my message to you, right? Which I don't even want to begin to, to think about how complex that is. Okay. People, figured that out. They took all re-existing technology, they took um, ideas, and they were able to figure out how to take the material world and provide a service that is insanely valuable. And I totally think it's valuable, like microphones and, you know, uh, uh, podcasting and iTunes. And, you know, it's, it's amazing what the mind of, of, of people can do. Uh, and, and this is again, going to recognizing that your mind, your, your life is your greatest asset, liberty, which is the freedom to pursue what you want and then be able to combine uh, that with, you know, the, the material universe and be able to, uh, essentially receive the remuneration, the, income, whatever you have the right to that. Okay. That is the idea of the pursuit of, of property and, uh, and look at, look at the world that we have. And obviously, you know, we do, we have had a lot of liberties, a lot of freedoms diminished o- over the years, but still it's a testament to those that, that remain. Okay. The, you know, d- despite the thousands, tens of thousands of laws that we have, the, the liberties that still remain have created, look, I mean, just look outside and just experience you know, what the world has become since, you know, the time of, of Locke, uh, even the last 50 years, even the last 10, 10 years, just what an amazing world uh, that we, we live in. Uh, and I would say there are some fundamentals behind all of this uh, that relate to what uh, John Locke, uh, you know, what, what he wrote about so many years ago, centuries, centuries ago. 
And, uh, and that's the idea of property. And it kind of goes in line with the, uh, the doctor example I just, uh, I just talked about, which is, you know, when you have an idea, when you've discovered something, okay, it's the ability to take, you know, whether it's a, you know, a video technology or whether it's a website technology, or whether it's marketing resources or a partnership and figure out a way in which you can provide value to the world, okay, based on what you have figured out. This is just a very rudimentary way to, uh, to, to show you that the opportunity is there for all human beings. And it is the ultimate, you know, pursuit of people. We're not pursuing this end of retirement. Okay. And I'll get into that, you know, as I kind of conclude this podcast podcast, we're not in it for, you know, the end of having a lot of money. We're in the, in the end, the true pursuit is that sense of fulfillment and that sense of happiness that Jefferson was talking about. And all of these principles, life, liberty, and property. It's not just the right to it, but the, it's the recognition of those principles as it relates to your happiness. And as you look at yourself and you look at you know, your right to, to life and that it's your asset and you can make it as valuable or as invaluable as possible, you have control over that. That's, those are your decisions. And then liberty, we do have liberties, even though we have some restrictions, but liberty uh, and indentured servitude, I would say is more of a mindset. If you can get out of that mindset, if you can really look at you know, the, the freedom you do have to you know, quit your job and, or at least find something that could supplement income or find ways in which you can improve yourself to make more money. Uh, and that's the you know, how to get a 10% raise for life article. That's what it, a lot of that talks about. Uh, and if you want you know, information on that, I'll, I'll make sure that that's posted in the, in the show notes as well, a link to that. So that's kind of like one of the best places to get started. If you're like, Oh, what do I do? You know, that, that's a great, a great, uh, you know, seven, eight, uh, page article to, um, to, uh, to look into and ways in which you can improve yourself just to be more valuable to your employer, to make more money and then transition out. Um, but so it's kind of deviating there, but the idea behind, you know, these, these three principles, life, liberty, and property, then combining and being able to figure out a way to be valuable to other people. Um, and in exchange, um, you know, be, and it's not, it won't necessarily equate to wealth, uh, or lots of money. It might. Um, but even if it doesn't, even if it like pays your, your bills and some like that right there, I think is doing something that you love and being able to support a lifestyle that right there, I think is the American dream really. Uh, and it's agnostic of what the market does. It's agnostic of what the price of Bitcoin is. It's agnostic to, uh, you know, gold prices or real estate prices or whether the dollar is the reserve currency or not. All of these things are outside of us. And we have zero control over. Now, I'm not saying, you know, it shouldn't be part of investment strategy. That's not where I'm going. But it's more of those are external things. They're secondary. And they're secondary to really what I believe a lot of the personal development authors are saying, that's what Robert Kiyosaki was saying. It wasn't to get out of the rat race to, you know, be out of the rat race, right? Where you win a, a board game, right? It's to get out and really understand and experience uh, true freedom and, tr and true fulfillment. Uh, that's where I think all of those amazing opportunities lie. But you have to understand the principles, align yourself with those principles first before you can get there. All right, so I'm going to spend some time now, about maybe five minutes, 10 minutes or so, and talk about why America is in the state that we're in. Um, and then um, that'll probably be it. <laughs> okay, so here's what's interesting. And again, this is you know, my, the, the studies that I've, that I've done over the years where you look at um, why we, like I, I grew up 
like not having, not having a mentor. I grew up, you know, not being like overly inspired by, by someone. And, and I, I, I came to the point where I resented education, right? I hate, I didn't like it at all. And, and I had a horrible time and I, I didn't want to go. I wasn't passionate about it. And I would say that that, you know, my mindset reflects um, a lot of kids out there. And so I, I look at, you know, why, you know, education to me now means it's, it's like my life. It's so meaningful because I realize that, you know, I have infinite possibilities to grow and improve and become better uh, and achieve essentially, you know, more with my, my wife and with my kids and with business, like all I, I've associated with, you know, education with everything, but yet that wasn't the case growing up. So I asked, you know, myself the question, why? So if you really go back and uh, look at the U.S. educational system, the U.S. educational system was a byproduct of Prussia. And I would say, and, and I want to do more research on Prussia, but there are, you know, it's, two, it's actually two things that completely control the minds of people in our day and age. And they both came from Prussia. First thing is education, the educational system. So Horace Mann in the late 1800s, okay, he instituted this educational system based on Prussia, which originally was designed to um, create loyalty for the government or the state. Uh, and they designed it where, you know, all the kids would be the same age. There'd be 28 to 30 kids in the classroom. It'd be about an 800 square foot room. Uh, and, and also through the curriculum, the curriculum is more of memorizing and, and solving, um, you know, technical problems. Uh, it's working independently, not in groups. And I can go, the list can go on and on and on, but it's the same system that we have today. And it is, it is uh, in propagandizing, you know, not liberty, right? Not, you know, you're your number one asset. It's, it's propagating, you know, uh, uh, propagandizing, um, you know, the opposite, the exact opposite. And it's creating a, a workforce mentality. And that was the point going back to the Prussian system. They wanted to create military workers and they wanted to create factory workers, those that would be told what to do and could follow instructions. Okay. And that is the school system that exists today. And it's not just in, you know, pre- you know, pre-college, it continues into the collegiate realm. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, education is worthless and the public school system is worthless. I'm not saying that whatsoever, but I am saying that the overarching narrative and foundation of it, okay, was not to promote this idea of liberty. Uh, and then we are our number one asset and these, you know, things that, um, you know, we, we want to pursue, but yet if it doesn't fit the box of the public school system, like we are somehow inadequate, dumb. Uh, and I've, you know, and I'm, I'll, I'll be the first to admit that, you know, my kids um, were, were part of it. You know, I could see the damage that was done when they got a bad grade because it was something they just didn't like to do. It wasn't something that they were uh, really excited about. And the teachers for sure didn't make it exciting. But what it does is it, dam it damages mindset to an extent. It makes them feel inferior. Um, and it hurt me. Because I knew that they were both my daughters are you know they're they're totally different in look and in personality, and it was one of those it was one of those things where I saw that um, the damage that could be done to them, uh, and uh, and so you know I won't I won't go down down that rabbit trail, uh, but the idea is 
you know, not all people are wired to, you know, to do calculus and to do math problems and to study history. And, but it's, but yet we are, you know, essentially prescribed this education. Okay. And, uh, in the whole overarching narrative is to, uh, really design some work, uh, the worker bee mentality. Uh, and this carries into college and then it carries into the workforce. Uh, and that's why our workforce today is very dictatorial. Uh, it's, you know, hierarchical um, from, you know, boss to a manager to this, to that. Um, and it's, you know, it, it, I've learned so much about business culture and office culture. And the final thing I'll say about that is one of my best decisions uh, this previous year uh, with, as the result of some, you know, high discontent with, you know, the, some of the relationships I had at my business was, uh, to, you know, build a, uh, build a, a different culture. And it wasn't the dictatorial culture. It was a culture where decisions were based on, uh, values, not based on, you know, superiority or inferiority. And this is what it came down to. Honestly, this is one of those straws that broke the camel's back. Um, and I've mentioned this in the podcast before, but, uh, it's definitely worth uh, restating where, uh, there were some statistics given as to uh, the reason behind why there's an increase in uh, child suicide. Uh, why is there why, an increase in, in drug use or premarital sex or uh, having kids when you're in high school, right? It's this, this, this increase in a lot of those different fronts and use of hard drugs. And it comes down to the family, but it's not what you, it's not what you think um, it, it basically takes a step before that as to the cause as to why the family um, is the, the unit that is hurting their children. It comes down to how the parents are treated at their professional workplace, where they're treated inferior, they're not valued, they're told what to do. It's this you know, indentured servitude to an extent. And the poison behind those cultures creates the mentality where parents go home and bring that to their kids. And that is what's causing a lot of that. Now, what, whether that's true or partially true, um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. Of course, there's always going to be conflicting studies. But I will, I will say this. I got to this point where I'm like, that I will not have an office like that. And, and I was starting to see signs of it. And so there's a lot of changes that I, you know, that we, we made this year relative to our mission, relative to what we wanted, relative to how we work together, uh, relative to how we made decisions, which is through values, not, uh, not based on, you know, um, uh, the, the hierarchical position of, of the person. Anyway, so I, I won't go off on that rabbit trail either. Okay. But the idea behind the educational system, it has created this, this environment, whether it's the workplace, uh, or whether it's, uh, um, you know, it's, it's school, uh, it's the confidence that kids have. It's like the, our, the kids, the children that are being raised in this society, if they had a different environment, they are so smart. They are so intuitive. They know how to figure problems out. They don't carry the baggage that we carry, but yet we're still confining them to this, you know, this, this narrow vision of what their future looks like. And I think it's, I think it's abuse in a, in a sense. All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll get off of that you know, of that rabbit trail, rabbit trail too. But the Prussian system, the Prussian school system was developed, um, you know, for those ends. And Horace Mann brought that to Massachusetts first, uh, and then it started to be adopted by one state after the other. And that is the educational system that we have today, ladies and gentlemen. All right. So next thing is also going back to Prussia. 
And this is our retirement system. So our retirement system right now is not based on the values here. The retirement system today is based on those very same values that have a person seek after a nine to five job with health benefits and a 401k, which is they want to be taken care of. They've sacrificed their liberty for safety and security. And this is promoted This has promoted the U.S. retirement system, plain and simple, because people are giving their money hand over fist to those that didn't earn it and who are presumed to be good stewards because, you know, they have they, they passed a few courses and went to an educational system that taught them what to do, which is a load of crap. And that retirement system goes hand in hand with the education system. Retirement is a lie. Retirement is this thing that was propagated during that system to get people out of the workforce. They didn't want old people working and they wanted to make room for newer people. And so they basically, the government forced people, forced people out. Now I'm just, I'm just generalizing all of it, but that is what exists today. The, the idea of retirement is anti-life. The idea of retirement, which is to stop doing, okay, that is, in my opinion, waiting and sacrificing your time, your energy, your life for that older age is ridiculous to me. And and I see individuals who are, you know, they're suffering because they are just putting up with crap until they reach that end. And it kills, it kills me to see it. Uh, and that, beca- you know, this goes into the old idea of the the book, which is a playbook of how to get out of this, get out of this, um, this mindset, which is first and foremost, uh, the, the important thing to do. But the idea of retirement, I would say retirement from what you hate doing, I will agree with retirement from producing is anti-life and you will never achieve any fulfillment or any happiness if you do that. And that's where I would say retirement can exist you know, in a matter of months, if you think about it, because if you look at the nature of the retirement system, it's all based on accumulation. So a lot of people have accumulated assets. They have accumulated equity in their house. There's a lot of different resources that are available that are benefiting bankers and Wall Street, but they're not benefiting you because it aligns with their business, okay, not yours. Um, and I won't go on to that, that uh, rabbit trail either. But the idea of retirement Okay, I would say is if you could if you could take and it may it may take some introspection, it may take some soul searching, uh, it may take longer than months. But if you can figure out what this doctor figured out, which is wow, I don't want to be told what to do. I don't want to show up and have my life dictated line by line, hour by hour. I want to figure out how I, you know, can do what I love, which is practice medicine, but do it on my terms. It may take some soul searching for you to do that. It may take months. It may take uh, a couple years. Okay. But I guarantee it will be worth every single moment that you dedicate to it. And so the idea is if you could figure out a way to turn assets into income, uh, focus not on accumulation, but on cash flow, on income, and then figure out whether it's consulting work, whether it's um, a, a business that allows you to work remote. It could even be, you know, figuring out another position at your company or, or whatever. And being in that position, you know, that you're in, that might be the issue. It might be a better position, which easy. Invest in yourself, build up your credentials, build up your criteria, and then now you're more valuable to someone else. Okay, but in the end, we all have an employer, which is the person that pays us. But this is going to be different because you're going, you can essentially go directly to the source as opposed to having multiple middlemen, one being the government, two being your employer. So the idea is if you could figure out a way in which you could 
you know, really um, find a contract job, find, uh, you know, employment where you're able to work from home or work from our, you know, with an internet connection. Okay. There's so many out there, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of opportunities. If you just snap yourself out of, you know, the haze that most people are in just drudging through, drudging through life. And I believe that, you know, retirement, which is getting to the point where you could, um, you know, essentially pay your bills by doing something that you love on your terms. Um, that is what I, that is what I see as a, a possibility. And one of the, the outcomes, uh, as far as, you know, the mindset and direction of, uh, of the book. Now we're obviously not a job placement service. Okay. The book is going to be primarily based on uh, how to position assets it's going to be based on financial strategies that align with these principles, not Wall Street principles, which are pretty much the opposite. Um, and then also improve okay, this idea of you turning yourself into the number one asset of somebody else into your number one asset by improving it, whether it's health-wise, whether it's intellectual, whether it's other credentials or training uh, that can have you be really valuable to somebody else. So anyway, this is, uh, this is the whole narrative of the book. It's probably going to be the, uh, the introduction, um, but this is, this is what lights me up. This is what um, really gets me excited because um, I'm, I'm the first one to say that if, so, if there's been another challenge, if there's been an issue in the past or that, that I face, okay, people faced it in the past and they figured out the answer. Here's the thing. It's like right now, the pursuit of everyone are these three things. It's very simple. It's existed since the beginning of time and it exists today. We Technology changes, society changes, the value of money changes, all of that changes. What doesn't change is our human pursuit. And so that's where I kind of took a step back and felt like this would be the proper framework in which to, uh, to write the book. Uh, and that's what I, that's what I did. So hopefully you guys, uh, enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the podcast. I have no idea how long it's going to be. I don't have my timer up here. Uh, but, uh, but that's it. And, uh, so I would, I would say, um, you know, if you, if you want, uh, if you want some book recommendations or course recommendations or what have you, uh, just, uh, message me on, uh, Facebook or Instagram, uh, or Twitter, uh, or, or whatever, just email us at podcast at paradigmlife.net. And I'd love to give you some of the books that inspired me, some of the things that I'm using to, you know, kind of come up with all of this, uh, uh, information for, uh, for the book, but also it's, you know, the things that I learned, uh, you know, especially this year in regards to culture values, um, and creating a, you know, an environment here where people do not come, uh, and, and despise being in the workplace. They come because they love being here and they come and that is the environment that they can give it their all. Uh, and, uh, and I would say that there's no perfect environment because we're all people. Okay. But it is essentially what I've been trying to, to build here, uh, this, uh, this year. And, uh, and I would say that's, you know, the only way really to have a fulfilling business, if you ask me. All right. That's it, everyone. Hope you have a hope you have a wonderful week. Don't forget to tune in to the next podcast, which is 220, Connor Boyack, where we will be discussing the philosophy of objectivism, which was uh, you know, conceptualized by Ayn Rand, uh, who wrote uh, Atlas Shrugged, Fountainhead, We the Living, and a slew of others. So, uh, and then Connor Boyack is kind of taking that uh, that torch, and you know kind of uh, extinguish, not extinguishing it, but making it a little bit smaller. So it's digestible by children, which I think is uh, pretty, uh, pretty significant. So don't miss that one. Stick around.
All right, everyone, have a wonderful week, and we will uh, be on next week with episode 220. You've been listening to the Wealth Standard Radio Show, your gold standard in everything financial. 